Today. I've got the red one. Thank you. So I'm still in a mic today. Normally, so I, I might be a little tame holding this mic. So I just want you to know this is this is tough for me holding the mic. I like my little Britney Spears mic, you know, where I can get a little wild and dance and sing. And that's why you're here, right? Because you want to see me dance. All right, so listen, let me just lay it down. I see some of my friends here, and, and some of y'all been here. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And we've got some people that came because, you know, some other churches, I mean, unfortunately, they were flooded out. So we're, we're glad that you're here. So, you know, my friends that are here and your guests and everything, I just want you to know, feel free to talk back. Come on, we pinto beans and cornbread people. We ain't how high class, you know. All right, okay. So aren't you glad that Jesus is not sending another flood? Yeah, there's, a, there's an ark. There's an ark, and God has made a covenant with us, and there's an ark, and his name is Jesus, and we're so thankful for him and what he has done in our lives, and I am so excited about you being here. I'm going to tell you, the only way we were going to shut down is if CSU told us to shut down, but as long as God made a tree, I'll find a place to preach. So we'll, we'll find something. So if you have your Bibles, it's going to be real easy to get there, your phone or whatever, if you're close to somebody. Um, you don't have one? Let's go ahead. It's okay to cheat in, in church. I'm just going to tell you that right now. It's better to cheat than repeat. Here we go. So uh, Bible's Exodus chapter 3, and I just want to turn there. We're starting this series called Fearless. And the reason why we want to do that is because everybody gets all pumped about Halloween. But you know what? I get pumped about the God who destroyed Halloween. I get pumped about the Lord who is in total. Because I don't have to be like the druids and put on masks and hide myself from all the evil spirits and everything else. I don't have to, I don't have to hide myself from anybody when Jesus is for me. Cause if Jesus is for me, then I'm not worried about who's against me. Cause there's no devil in hell that can defeat my king. I don't know about you, but that gets me really excited. So I hope that you're ready to go because we're going to enter into a journey. And so I was uh, looking at what the Lord has been doing. Uh, some of you seen this week, the unfortunate, tragic incident out there in Oregon. Uh, another gunman, right? Another gunman. And, and, and so then everybody's on the political side of the debate. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Should we have guns or should we have not? Should we have guns? Should we have not? Listen, I just want to tell you, there's no law that can change the heart. There's no law that can change the heart. The law can show us our sins, can point to our sins, but only the grace of God can give us a new heart. And so I saw that in, in some of those articles, and particularly, you know, I don't, I don't know all the details, so if some of those articles were true uh, about him going and trying to target Christians, right? So one of the articles was talking about how he would go to, to people and he would point the gun at them and say, uh, are you, you know, state your faith, and they would say, I'm a Christian. Are you a Christian? Yes, well, get ready to meet God. Boom, right in the head. Other people that said, no, they're not a Christian, he'd shoot in the legs. And so there's all this stuff going out there. And again, it is dangerous to be a Christian, but it's more dangerous not to be. And so I am in awe. Like, I get really excited. You know, it doesn't take much to get me excited. It's like Jesus and then a very close second bread. But there's Jesus. And it's okay. You can laugh like we're spiritual at Summit. And so, there, you know, I, I'm in awe of these people that just stand up for the Lord. And of course, we're in awe about people who stand up with their faith, right? When there's a gun to their face. But I'm in awe about people that are in a high school that love Jesus. That you're not worried about what other people think and if she's hot or he's hot or whatever else. Listen, when Jesus is hot, there's nobody that compares. I'm just going to tell you that straight up. Like you're in college, same thing. You worry about what other people think. You know what happens? I'm going to tell you. The college students can tell you. When you're in high school, you care about what you look like when you go to class. 
But when you're in college, some things are going to change up in here. I mean, we got people at CSU. I'm not mentioning any names, Garrison, but love. He's back there. He knows I love him. But listen, they will rock the SpongeBob SquarePants pajamas going to class. I mean, I don't know about you, but when you get to college, sometimes it just don't matter. Sleep becomes a very important thing. Why? Not because we're studying, because we've been staying up to three in the morning and awful waffle, and we got a little bit of, you know, acid reflux going on. We ain't worried about that. That's just the truth. And so what happens, you're in high school, you worry about what other people think. You're in college, you don't worry about what other people think. And then when you get older, you really just don't care. Like you really just don't care. But the truth is with the Lord, we do care. We do care what other people think. Because we want to point him to Jesus. And so I want to look at what is it like to be fearless. What does it mean to be fearless? This is what John Piper said. This is about Christians being, I love this. And I didn't even realize he had tied all this together. That he said, Christians being strong in the face of breath-stopping sorrows. You get a report, somebody drops dead. I love watching Christians in the face of death rejoice in Jesus that death will not hold them back, that they will not go into a shell and get into such a depressive state that they can't. I love when Christians stand up because Jesus is an anchor for their soul. Though the boat may sway and water came in and we feel like we're drowning, there is an anchor that will not be moved and death can't even defeat it. Christians being strong in the face of breath-stopping sorrows and making you bold in the for Christ in the face of dangerous opposition. That's fearlessness. Christ exalting strength in calamity and Christ exalting courage in conflict. That is what it is to be fearless. I've got some questions and the Lord has given us some answers. What does it mean to be fearless? I want to live like that. I want to go when I meet Jesus that the only thing and person that I feared or feared was God. So what is fearlessness? It's being strong in the face of breath-stopping sorrows. It is bold for Christ in dangerous opposition. It is Christ's exalting strength and calamity, as Piper would say, and Christ's exalting courage in conflict. That is what fearlessness is. But what makes us fearless? So I've got some observations. So this whole month, we're journeying and looking at people in Scripture and, uh, and, and, and what they've done that made them fearless. And so we look at the Old Testament first because the hero of every story is Jesus. But we're going to look at a player in the Old Testament, and his name is Moses. Moses was a man who was condemned to die before he knew it. Pharaoh had issued a decree to kill every firstborn male, and his mother saw something special in him, saw something anointed in him, and so she keeps him to about three months old, but she can't contain it any longer because Pharaoh's mighty men are breathing down the Israelites' neck to kill all the firstborn. So she puts him in this little basket in the Nile and and pushes it over and the water takes it there into the family of Pharaoh. And there, one of the family members, a daughter, sees the basket and takes Moses. They find the little girl, which was Moses' sister, will take him back to his mother to wean him. And then he grows up in the greatest, 
White House of that time. In the most powerful place of that time. But then Moses, as he grows older, realizes that the people are being oppressed. He realizes his heritage. He realized there and he sees them. And there's an Egyptian slave driver beating another Israelite. And Moses takes his hand as deliver upon him and kills him. The next day, two Israelites are fighting and Moses sees him and says, why are you fighting? Why are you striking one another? And then in the heat of anger, they look at him and say, who made you judge over us? We know you already killed somebody. Pharaoh finds out about it. Pharaoh wants to kill Moses and now Moses flees. And then all of a sudden, there after 40 years of wandering in a desert, married to a lady having children, living out a desert, going from the palace, then going to nothing. Going to what was detestable by Egyptians, which was being a shepherd. There something happens. So this observation here, what makes us fearless? I, I think here's an observation. Uh, let's look there in scripture. One observation, all the notes are on Summit Church at Facebook. So if you want to pull it up, you can find it there. But observation number one, the gospel makes us fearless because we are right with God. Look at Exodus chapter one, verse, excuse me, Exodus chapter three, verse one. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. He goes from being Man, top in the palace to being an outcast. And we all know, we all read that even in Joseph's time, Moses' forefather, all in Joseph's time, that shepherds were detestable to Egyptians. They're detestable. The priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Isn't it amazing? Sometimes we come across God when we don't even know it. Hmm? Hello, y'all awake? That was all right. Here we go. Verse two. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not, saints. I didn't hear you. It did not what? Which goes to show you this, that God doesn't need my energy. He's an all-consuming fire. He doesn't need energy, any energy from this earth because his fire is so holy, he needs nothing of us, which is great because even when I don't have energy and what I don't have, God already provides somebody. That's just a little sermonette from a majorette to produce Christianettes. Verse three, here we go. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up? Maybe some of you are here this morning because Christianity is just strange. I mean, it's intriguing. There's something about it. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush. Man, I feel like I'm just a bush. Now, I feel like I'm more like a boxwood bush. Short and squatty and wide. You can laugh. It's okay. I bet I'm a bush. My prayer is that God would produce in me a burning heart and thereby reveal a flaming tongue. I feel like I'm just a bush. Maybe that you'll see the Lord today. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Verse five, do not come any closer. God said, take off your sandals. For the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I 
and the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, I am nothing. I pray, Lord, that we would not be afraid anymore because Jesus has done a great work. I pray that you would show something in us and through us that people would see Jesus. Then, Lord, I am asking that your Holy Spirit show up. I am asking, Lord, I am not coming any further unless you go there. So, Lord, we ask that you move mightily by your Holy Spirit, that we experience the presence of Jesus, and he compels us so much to be so Christ-like because people need you, that we are willing to lay our lives down. We're willing to live a life however you call us, however you lead us, whatever you want us to do, because that is more satisfying, that is more uh, savoring, that is more beautiful than anything we can do. So please forgive me of my sins, Lord, as I step back, you step up so that your name will be made famous. There are some mighty warriors for you in this room. May they be encouraged to take up whatever you've called them to and go even harder in the name of Jesus. Lord, move. We listen and we pour our hearts out to you and we worship. And all God's people said, what? Observation number one, if you're taking notes, here we go. The gospel makes us fearless because we are right with God. The gospel makes us fearless because we are right with God. Look there with me in verse six. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses did what, saints? What's the next word? He what? He hid his face. That word in Hebrew, listen to what he says, he hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. He hid. When we are not right with God, we become fearful when we stand in the presence of God. The word hide there means to conceal. It means to conceal. People try to hide. That's why the freaks come out at night. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. That's an old song. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Some people in here, you know, y'all still in the 70s, 80s, you with me. Right? And you know what I'm talking about. People do things at night because they don't want to do stuff in the daylight. Because when it's done in the daylight, you can't hide it. And so what happens when we who walk with Jesus, we're not worried about night. We're not worried about day because we're only worried about the one who's looking at us all the time. It's the Lord. So people conceal. They conceal. They hide. Why do people hide? Why would the text answer that? Moses hid his face because he was what, saints? Okay, good. All right, so because he was afraid to look at God. He hid because he was afraid. When we are right with God because of Jesus, we will not be afraid. But what does fear look like? You say, but John, the people I know that don't know Jesus, they don't care about God. They're not afraid of God. Well, let me tell you how it plays out in real life. Are y'all tracking me? You ready? Here we go. Genesis 4.14 says this. Here's where this word Hide is used in Hebrew again. Here's another text where the word, the actual word hide in verse 6 is used again. And Genesis 4.14 says this, Esau kills his brother who is who? I'm sorry I said Esau, didn't I? I meant Cain, my bad. Cain killed his brother who? I wonder why I got off of quiet. Y'all going, what story is he in? That's like a like John made up book. All right, here we go. Yeah, so Cain kills his brother, and he kills his brother, and then he says, and after God's bringing judgment on him, he, he says this to the Lord. Today you are driving me from the land. 
I will be, what's the next word? Hidden. It's the same word that here when Moses hid his face. He says, I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. In other words, God said, you have sinned so much, I am going to conceal myself from you. I am going to, you, you killed your brother, Cain. Listen, the part of the judgment is I, there's going to be this distance between us that you can't come to me. Oh, I can come to you, God is saying, but you can't come to me because the sin is too great. And so Cain then says, I will be hidden from your presence. And what is people that are hiding themselves from God, what do they look like today? Though they won't admit there's a God, though they don't even think there's a God, but what do they look like? The text answers this. It says, I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a what, saints? Yes, restless. When people are restless... Now, there are times that the Lord, as believers, makes us restless before he moves us. I got you. But when we are restless, here's what I want you to know. That's a sign. Most of the time, we're not right with God. Now, I'm not saying that he didn't make us restless in jobs and things, and before he's moving us to another place and all that. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying here that people that don't, there's restless. He's rest, the word restless comes from not having a re- relationship with God. The word restless in Hebrew means to wave, as in to waver. It means unstable. I think about this in Proverbs 28, verse 1. The wicked flee when no one is chasing. The wicked flee when no one is chasing, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. That's what happens when people aren't right with God. They're restless. They're always looking to find something. What are they looking for? I'll go to this job. I'll go to this relationship. I'll go to this school. I'll go over here. I'll go over here. There's just constant restlessness. They can never, ever sit still. Why? Because Jesus is never enough. Listen, I know when I can sit still when Jesus is enough for me. When I'm content to be in the presence and doing the will of God because Jesus is there. When I'm content in that, I'm not restless. You can ask my wife. I was restless. When I first came down here, before I got back right with the Lord, I was restless. I'd look at her and I would tell her, hey, don't even get settled. Don't even get settled. Don't we pack your bags. Pack your bags. We moving. We moving. We moving. We moving. I remember I came down here in 1991 after coaching the temple. Uh, in 1992, I interviewed for Holy Cross High School. For the, my, my in-laws are here. They'll tell you the truth. I'll New Jersey. I I was ready to take the job. I didn't get the job. They went with somebody else out of Navy. And I didn't get it. And I was going to take it because I wasn't staying here. I was restless, man. I want to be, listen, I didn't like going to chat. I didn't like people talking about Jesus. I don't want to know nothing about Jesus like this. I listen, I got football and that's all I need. Like, I don't need anybody else. I don't need anybody else, and I don't care anything. I was restless. 1993, restless. I tell her, hey, listen, don't get settled. We're not selling in. We're going to leave. We're going to leave. 94 comes around. I remember 1995 being at the Shrine Bowl. I'll never forget up in the Shrine Bowl with the practice. We're in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I go up there, and nobody's talking to me because I'm at CSU. Like, you know, you at CSU, not a big Division I program, but back during the day in the 90s, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Notre Dame was very powerful at that time. They won a championship early in, uh, in the 90s, and, and, and they were doing well. And the running back coach at Notre Dame, he'd been there a while with Coach Holtz, coached with me on staff at, at um, Temple. 
And I'm standing there with like just a couple of people, Corey. Like I'm just over here, you know, in the corner over at Charlotte at this high school watching these trauma players practice. And all of a sudden, this guy from Notre Dame comes in. Everybody's like, Notre Dame's here, Notre Dame's here. Like, you know, all the South Carolina coaches and all Clemson coaches. Everybody, Notre Dame's here, Notre Dame's here. And so all of a sudden, uh, Earl Mosley's his name. He, and all, all over here, and everybody's all over. And he's like, like 50 people following him around. Why? Because he can make one phone, phone call and get him a job. All of a sudden, he turns around. He sees me across the field. He's like, John. He starts yelling. I'm like, am I in trouble? Because usually when somebody yells John, it's not good. So I look around. He comes running over to me in front of everybody, almost tackles me and hugs me. This is in front of all these coaches. Coach Gardenia, you know what I'm talking about. Tackles me because when you were in Alabama, same thing. When you were in Shula and Saban, man, people loved you when you were there, but you ain't getting them same phone calls when you're here. And so all of a sudden, he, people come over, and I mean, they're all over me. I had friends I never knew I had. He's like, John, we're going to lunch. I'm buying you lunch. Let's go, let's go. So uh, he, he's up for the job at Rutgers. He said, I want you to be my offensive line coach. I'm like, let me pray about it. No, I didn't even say that. I just was like, okay. Right? Anything to get, get out of where I was because I was restless. Because I was restless. I was restless. And the reason I was restless, I would blame. I'd say, I mean, I don't like working for this head coach that I'm at at CSU. Man, I don't like them people at CSU. I don't like the president. I don't like him. I don't like him. I don't like nobody. I mean, I just got to get out and fly my own self. I, I got to find myself. All of a sudden, I'm just restless. Just restless. Just restless. And what I needed was Jesus. Because once I got Jesus, I was content to where I was. You're never going to be content where you are without Jesus. You're going to look at everything else and want everything else, but you'll never, ever find. You will always be hiding. And so every year I would say to Lynette, hide, Lynette, hide. Don't buy a house. Don't buy anything. We're getting out of here. We are getting out of here. Don't even unpack the bags. Because I wanted to leave. And what's amazing, I got right with Jesus, and I stayed, and everybody else left, and some days I'm bitter. Can I get a witness I, I was the last person. I was the one getting all the job offers. Head coach, at, head football coach at Newberry High School. I mean, excuse me, Newberry College right now. Um, he coached with me here at Temple. I'll never forget. He got so mad. He got so, he got so mad. Todd Knight. Todd, Todd's a trip. And, and we've been friends, and he's a head football coach at Newberry. And I'll never forget, I got offered a head job here in college. And he, he got so mad at me. He came up to me. He goes, man. He goes, you're getting head college job offers and turn them down, and we ain't getting no offers. I don't understand you. And I want to say, because you don't understand Jesus. You know, when you write with God, I don't need anybody else's validation. I don't need anybody. Listen, I don't have to be restless. And today, you and I don't have to be restless. You, have to, you, don't, have to, you don't have to keep fighting because here's what's happening. When you find Jesus, I got the one thing that I never thought I'd get, John 14, 27. You got to turn there. Just write it down. Make a note in your Bible. Some of you already know Jesus is getting ready to be betrayed. Um, Judas has already left. Judas has already got the people. They're getting ready to go to the garden. They're getting ready to arrest him. They're getting ready to take him. And Jesus says to his disciples, Peace. You know why I was restless? Because I didn't have peace. Now, what's peace? Some people have false peace. You know what I'm talking about? Some people get in a relationship and they got false. Oh, I'm so happy. I'm so happy. No, everything's so great. Let that person break up with them. Huh? What happened to their foundation then? Hello, just got washed away. See, it don't matter what flood comes when Jesus is your rock. 
Yeah, look, he says, peace I leave you with you. My peace I give you. I have peace for the first time. I do not give as the world gives. And I can say amen to that because I, when I was coached, all that stuff, I was looking for peace constantly. Peace, peace, peace. What I didn't realize is I needed the Prince of Peace. I didn't realize that peace was a person. I thought peace was a job. I thought peace was finances. I thought peace was a location. I thought peace might be a human relationship. I didn't know that peace was God. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Moses, and this is so awesome, Moses in Exodus chapter 3 verse 6, six he's hiding from God. He's hiding from God because he's afraid of God. But then you go 30 chapters later in the book. This is what's incredible. Moses tells him, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere, God, if you don't go with me. Show me your glory. Like Moses couldn't get enough of the presence of God. He would go up on the mountain for 40 days and spend time with God. He would not even eat. God became his sustenance because it was more precious for him to be in the presence of God than to be around the people of God. Some of us don't have peace. Because sometimes as Christians, we just tend to take our eyes off Jesus and we begin to look at finances and future and retirement and colleges and degrees and people and relationships. Listen, I want to tell you, those are empty, dark roads compared to Jesus. Only can he give us peace. And we, because of the gospel of Jesus, we get peace. Listen, let me say what Piper said. I hope this burns in you. I hope this burns in you. Listen, the best gift of the gospel is not forgiveness of sin, somebody. We can talk back. You know where I'm from. We can talk back. Y'all, you don't have to wake up today. Eat a donut. Do something. Let's get your sugar level up. Let's go. Borrow somebody's insulin shot. I don't care what you got to do. I'm kidding. The best gift of the gospel is not the forgiveness of sins. The best gift of the gospel is not the imputed righteousness of Jesus. Not that we get Jesus' righteousness. It means right standing with God. The best gift of the gospel is not eternal life. It is not forgiveness of sins. It is not the imputed righteousness of Jesus. It is not eternal life. The best gift of the gospel is we get Jesus. Two amens. The reason why I love Christ is because I get Christ. Yes, am I thankful? There's such a huge gap that I can't get to God, and I tried every way to get to God, but I can't do good works. I can't be, that gap is too big. God said, just like he said to Cain, that's it, I'm concealing myself from you. Boom. So my sin conceals me from God. It hides me from God, but Jesus stood in that gap. And yes, am I thankful that he forgives me of my sins, past, present, and future? Am I thankful that Jesus was perfect? He was righteous, and because of his righteousness, I get it, so I stand in front of God, not because I didn't cuss very much today or didn't lie very much today or didn't say, uh, 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 didn't talk about some people today or really tried to stay faithful to his calling. I'm thankful that I get the righteousness of Jesus so when I stand in the presence of God, he sees Jesus. I'm thankful for that. Am I thankful that I get eternal life? Absolutely, I'm thankful that I get eternal life. I'm thankful that forever I get to live, but that's not the goal of the gospel. The goal of the gospel is I get Jesus. 
it puts it this way in Scripture. Come on, somebody. The goal of the gospel is that we get sealed by the Holy Spirit. Listen, I love this. The Piper said, "The wrath of God is so totally absorbed by Jesus, and the perfection and righteousness God demands is so totally produced in Jesus." So the only one thing governs God's attitude towards me and his attitude towards me is now mercy. Mercy when things go well, mercy when things go bad, mercy when things go up, mercy when things go down because he causes all things to work together for it. It's mercy. Now all I get is God's mercy. I don't get his wrath. I get Nothing. But his mercy, his, it translated in the Old Testament, loving kindness. His kindness birthed out of love. That's what we get. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, I want to tell you something. You can't fix that chasm. You cannot fix this. And you will be a restless wonder. You will go from job to job to self-medication. Come on, somebody. We will self-medicate our pain, won't we? Come on, come on, tell the truth. We'll get in a relationship with somebody just to self-medicate loneliness. We'll get in a relationship with somebody else just to self-medicate loneliness. We'll throw ourselves into a sport just to self-medicate our identity. We'll throw ourselves into a job. We'll try and have a bunch of kids, or we'll try and make a lot of money just to self-medicate. And we will be restless our whole life, but nobody can do me like All my pains, all my pleasures are mercy, mercy, mercy. Everything working together for my good, Piper said, mercy. The gospel makes us fearless because we're right with God. The gospel, number two, second observation, the gospel makes us fearless because, our, because we now can face our past because of the presence of God. Genesis 3, verse 7 this is, this is where it gets kind of crazy for me. The, the Lord said, I have, indeed, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. I love that God hears. Check this out. Don't y'all, don't y'all flake out on me. And I'm concerned about their suffering. Verse 8, so I have come down to what, saints? Rescue. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the, that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, a home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Debusites, and every other ite. Well, that's not in there, but I said that. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. I want you to know that God, listen, if you cry to God today, you can reach him. Hmm? His phone is never off the hook. Well, off the hook in a street term, but you know what I'm saying. All right, so, and now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way of the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now I am, I don't even know if it's up there, I am sending. God rescues us to send us. So God makes us right so we don't have to be restless anymore. And then the next time we're restless in our hearts is because he's saying, that team needs a coach. Now you go coach them and show them Jesus. Or that, that, that person needs some medical help. Now you go be a nurse and you show them Jesus. Those people in the classroom that are broken, that don't have a mother and father, or their parents are drug you go show them Jesus. You go be the gospel to them. You show them. And the only time that you're ever restless is because people don't know me, not because you're not right with me. And now he's sending us. And listen, and there's no way out of scripture. Matthew 28, 19. Therefore go make what? Come on. I can't hear you. There make what? 
of all ethne, ethnicity, all ethne. Uh, March 16, 15, here's another gospel sending, just like the Great Commission in Matthew 20. Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Notice peace is connected to being sent. Hello, McFly. I do not give you as the Lord, as the world gives, excuse me. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Luke 26, excuse me, Luke 24, 46 through 48, he told him, this is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead uh, on the third day and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. Verse 48, you are witnesses to these things. He's calling us to be witnesses. John 20, verse 21, again, Jesus said, peace be with you. Here's peace and sent being connected. As the Father sent me, I am sending you. Acts 1, 8, but you shall receive power when my Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be my what? I mean, it says all through the Gospels and in Acts that he's constantly sending us. We are the sent ones. Nobody's reading the Bible, just us who love Jesus. So we become the Bible. We become Jesus to them. And when we go, we go in the fruit of the Spirit and it releases the presence of Christ, thereby the Holy Spirit convicting their hearts, knowing that they're restless and they're not right with God and now they realize they need Jesus. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word, Romans tells us, and we give them the Gospel. We are being sent. We have been sent. We can face our past because we've been sent. I'm going to show you. I'm going to keep going. Let's keep going there in Exodus chapter 3. Verse 10. So now I'm going. I am sending you the way of Pharaoh. Excuse me, you to Pharaoh to bring my people to the Israelites out of Egypt. Verse 11. But Moses said to God, But Moses said to God, and he gave him a question, and here's the question that we always give God. Here's the question and response. Even as believers, we give this to God. Who am I that you should send, or excuse me, that I should go to Pharaoh? Who am I? I know what you're saying. Well, John, I'm not right. I got to clean up my life before I come to God. Wrong answer. Well, John, I don't know enough of Bible. Wrong answer. John, uh, I'm not trained. Wrong answer. John, I don't have a following. Wrong answer. Uh, John, I, I'm not, I don't think I'm ready. Wrong answer. I want you to know that Pharaoh, Pharaoh was going to hear the gospel because God was going to send somebody who was full of his presence, not full of himself. Listen, listen, we are all ready to go. You say, but I, John, I don't know. I don't even have many scr- I don't know. I don't even know. Listen, there's no excuse. The power of Moses was not Moses' prior position. The power that Moses had was the presence of God all over him. And I'm going to ask you to ask the Lord today for his presence like no other. Oh, I know. I know you're sealed with the Holy Spirit. And I know, but let me tell you something. In Scripture, there are fillings of the Spirit. Fillings. Uh, there are fillings. There are fillings. And you can say, well, John, you teach a second baptism? No. No, no, no. I am teaching their fillings. Do not be drunk with wine when it leads to a but be filled. It's really in the Greek, a present participle, which means filling. You read in Acts chapter 2, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit comes upon them. Everybody's speaking in tongues, going wild. They got the Holy Spirit. They got all the Holy Spirit they're going to get. Acts chapter 4, all of a sudden, guess what? They get filled with the Holy Spirit again. What does that mean? That means God is getting more of us as we allow us to have more of him. Fillings. F-I-L-L-I-N-G-S. We think we're not ready. Who am I? 
that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt, verse 11. It is not who I am, but who God is. Moses was defined by his past. He was a murderer, but God defined him by his future, Emmanuel. Oh, come on. That was really good. Emmanuel means what, saints? Come on. I didn't hear you. What? So his past, Moses' past was murderer. His present and future was God was with him. We are defined by Emmanuel. When you go to your school, you go to your job, you're with your grandchildren. I don't care who you're with, what you're doing, what you're, listen, you are defined. When you witness, you are defined by Emmanuel. God is with you. And if he is with you, he is for you. And if he is for you, then anything the enemy can try to do to you cannot stop the work of the church. The gates of hell will not prevail. Robbie, you're going to have to come play over me because I'm about ready to go wild. I might do, well, if I fall out, I fall out. I just want you to see here, well, you said Moses was all in. You get to see he was all in. Look there with me in, in Exodus chapter 4, 19, uh, excuse me. Uh, he, was, he was all in with the Lord, and I, I'll, just, I'll just go to this. Why? Because the, excuse me, Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 says this, and you were also included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed, you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Guess what? Robbie, you're gonna, we're going to play that song that your brother wrote, right? Maybe? Or with the Spirit's leading. Okay, I love when he just flows in the prophetic. But what I want you to do today is this. God has marked us as believers with a seal. The, listen, Moses had to be all in because God was all in all. God is everything. And if God is all, then he can have all of me. So I want you to see something. Our past does not define us. We've been redeemed, and now we can be used by God, and our past becomes our testimony. The last observation I want to make is this, and here's, and here's where the call of faith comes in. The gospel makes us fearless to face our failures, to face our weaknesses. The gospel makes us fearless because of the presence of God. So at the end of Exodus 3, God tells them prophetically, when you leave Egypt, you're going to get all this stuff. Why? Because you're going to need it to worship me. But check this out. This is what I want to ask you to do today. Thank you, Miss Penny. That lady getting up right there in a the white uh, coat, that's Miss Penny. Some of y'all know her. She's one of the most godly women you'll ever meet. She's going right to the prayer room because she leads our prayer team, and she knows people will be there. And I'm going to tell you, you want to talk about somebody who pray paint off a wall? You want to hear from the Lord? Exodus 4. The story continues. Remember, Moses is not the hero. Jesus is. Moses failed, but Jesus didn't. Chapter 4, verse 1. Moses answered, What if they do not believe me, Robbie, or listen to me and say the Lord did not appear to you? What if people don't believe me? What if people don't believe what I have to say? What if they said, man, did the Lord really talk to you today at Summit? Did the Lord really speak to you today on what he's telling you to do to be faithful? Did he really speak to you? I love, I love God's response. God doesn't even argue the question. God is a genius. He just looks at him and he says, then the Lord said to him, 
And the Lord asked him a question. That's the way God normally does. When you ask him a question, go read Job. Huh? Can I get a witness? Go read Job. At the end of Job, what does God do? God questions him. He says it like this, gird your loins. Man up, people. That ought to be a t-shirt, gird your loins. So God asked him a question. And what does he say? What is that in your hand? What do you mean? Like, I don't have a guitar like Robbie that I can just go ahead and do some prophetic worship and play and sing to you, Lord, and, and sound good. Like, what do you mean what is in my hand? I don't really have anything in my hand. Some of you might be thinking, I don't have much to my life. I don't have a lot of talent. I don't have a lot of looks. I don't have a lot of finances. I want to remind you that's a place where Moses was because all he had was a shepherd's staff, which, which was detestable to the Egyptians. So all he had was a staff. All he had was a staff to face the largest army in the world. Clearly outmatched. What is in your hand? Oh, I, I know what you're saying, John. I, I got it. I, I understand. Like you put a basketball in Michael Jordan's hand. You, you put a golf club in Tiger's hands. You put a football in Peyton Manning's hand. Right, you put a soccer in Messi's hands. I did that for you, Noah. You, you, I, I got it. You, you put it in something like his hands that are talented and something can happen. But here's what's awesome about this passage. That's not really what he's trying to say. What he's saying in this passage is what is in your hand and you're going to see here clearly. A staff, he replied. I have nothing but a piece of wood, a stick. What am I going to do against Pharaoh? who has a massive army and chariots and gold and weapons and arrows that are launched and equipment that will launch stuff. What am I going to do? How am I going to take down the largest army with a staff? And this is what I love. The Lord said in verse 3, come on somebody, in verse 3, what does he tell him to do with what he had in his hand? What did he tell him to do, saints? What? Are you willing to throw your life to? What's in your hand? Your life. Throw it to the ground. What are you telling me, John, to back away off everything and everything? No, no, no. I'm saying submit to God. In the middle where you are, don't stop doing what you're doing. Submit. Throw your life to the ground. Literally just say, God, you can have everything I got. Here it is. And if I go broke, if I'm going to tell you something. If I go up here and I preach and nobody shows up, if God can make rocks crowd, he can surely make those chairs. Man, Lord, I'm going to throw whatever I got on the ground and submit to your authority. Throw it on the ground. And when he threw it on the ground, look what happened. God changed it into something that would be a sign. When we take our lives and we throw it on the ground to the Lord, then we become a sign to people who don't know Jesus, that they need Jesus, and that they somehow see the beauty of Jesus in us. Will you throw your life to the ground? Will you do what everybody wants us to do in the Lord and throw our lives into Christ and let him lead us. And if you don't know Jesus today, I want to tell you something. Let me ask you this. I got one question for you. Has the way you've been living worked for you? Well, hallelujah, Jesus, oh. has it been working for you? 
Well, you say, well, John is doing pretty good. Really? Why are you here? Listen, God accepts one thing out of us. Everything. It's all or nothing. Take what you have, Moses. Your little stick that I created, by the way. Throw it on the ground and watch what I do with it. So you might think your life is nothing. Or you might think you're just above average. But I want you to know something in Jesus. There is no average. Not in Jesus. I've never seen anybody that's willing to throw their lives down to Jesus fully that God has not used mightily. Not one. You say, but John, they've not. We can't all be popular. No, no, no. You're, 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 basing, you're basing fame on the eyes of man. I would rather God know me than celebrities know me. Are you willing to throw everything down? So if you're a non-believer in this room, there's a chasm between you and God, and you'll never get it fixed. It's only Jesus, and it's not forgiveness of your sins that become the highlight. It's not that you get his righteousness that's the highlight, and it's not that you live forever that's the highlight, but that you can get to the presence of God because Jesus tore the veil by his body. By his stripes, we are healed. And because of that, we give him everything. We say, God, just take it all. If you're in here today and you don't know the Lord, I challenge you today. Are you willing to say, Jesus, have it all? You know the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Don't deny him because you feel uneasy right there and you're trying to wash that down. You're trying to stop. And the enemy is trying to say, oh, emotions, all this stuff. Listen, God can speak through anything, even emotions. And if you're believing in this room, I want to ask you, are you willing to throw it down today? Everything. Career relationship, lay it down at the foot of the cross. I'm talking to every believer in this room. You willing to take your family? You willing to walk up here to the altar and get on your knees as a family and say, hey God, we're listen, we've made this commitment to follow you. We're born again and saved, but we are making a note today, a spiritual Ebenezer today, a monument today, a spiritual monument, that we are laying everything down because you are more valuable than anything else. And you do whatever you want to do because, God, you are good. I'm going to lay it all down. Listen, when I come up here to preach, I give you everything I got. Why? Because I'm giving it to him. And, you, and, and if he deserves it, I'm going to give it. And you're, if you're the beneficiaries of it, then so be it. But I'm going to give everything I got. I'm going to throw it down. Today, will you throw it down? Robbie, I can't wait to see what the Lord is going to speak through you through this. But I'm asking you today to lay every relationship down. You dating somebody, you get on your knees and say, God, we submit to you because if you want us together, then we're better together than apart. God if, God, if this is the hand that you've given me and I don't even know what my degree is or where I'm going to go, God, I lay this moment down and I submit to you. Because I know that you can take whatever I got, you can take the staff, and you can turn it into a miracle. So everybody else will see that there is a God and his name is Jesus. Today, I'm being honest, saints, you're willing to lay it down. I don't care if you're here because your church couldn't meet today. We are the body of Christ. We're going to be together for eternity. 
in the name of Jesus, you're my brother and you're my sister. Today, are we going to lay it down today? Say, God, take whatever. Take it all. I lay it down. Here's my staff. Here's my relationships. Here's my dreams. Here's my God. I lay it down. God, just do it. I want you to know today, I am yours. Do whatever you want to do because you are worthy. And you're going to do something big and you're going to do something mighty and you're going to do something miraculous. And God, I just want to get out of the way because when I step back, somehow you step up. Come on. God will do it if you let him. You might be a GA on that coaching staff, but you might be the primary player in God's eyes. Who knows what the Lord will do? Father, that is my prayer. Woo! Who just come lay it down, Lord? Just lay it down. Just come and lay it down. You do what you want, Lord. If there's somebody here that doesn't know Jesus, I'm going to pray, Lord, right now as the elders are over here in this corner to everyone's left. And we're praying over people, man. And even if they're guests here today, man, they're going to come pray over people. Come pray, Lord. I pray you move in their heart to come pray. But, Lord, if there's somebody here that needs Jesus, Lord, please, I'm begging you with everything that I have, make your spirit show himself strong and save someone today. That we will not be afraid. We need Jesus. We got, the only thing I know for salvation is to trust that Jesus died on the cross and God, you rose him from the dead. And we confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord, and we turn from our ways and follow you. And you'll fill the needs and voids. We'll quit being restless. We'll quit self-medicating our pain. You'll set us free from bondage. God, will they lay it down? And if the believers in this room, will they lay it down? Lay, lay it down. Say, God, let people see Jesus in me in class. Let people see Jesus in me in my family. Let my grandchildren see me. Let my children see me. Let my parents see me. Let my sweet mates see me. Lord, I lay it down so that I could be a sign that you could use me and do something miraculous. You don't need the material. All we need is the willingness. And Lord, here we are. We're willing. You do what you want, and we love you. So, God, do something mighty in here. Mighty. Mighty. Lord, if the waters are going to rise on the outside, may your spirit swell to the miraculous on the inside. Do something in here, Lord. We are your people. These are strong believers that have come to worship you, Lord. Some driven and risked things today to be here. God, show them. Answer, their, answer them, Lord. And if they need more prayer, you know, right out to that prayer room. But, we, Lord, we're going to pray over them. Lord, do something today. Do something so that people will see you. The gospel makes us fearless. In Jesus' name.